Hi and welcome to the first episode of Vinyl to Flack Friday. My name is John and this is my co-host Colin. Vinyl <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why did you wait so long? <laughs> Yeah, keep going. All right, all right, all right. Should we just con- all right? What do we keep going? Okay. Just keep going. Okay. Vinyl to Flag Fridays is a podcast where a few friends and I discussed music while playing video games and maybe a little drinking. Today we'll be talking about mashup culture, the climate of copyright in the United States, the fall of record labels, the rise of piracy, the current climate of streaming music, and the current state of pop music in today's online culture. First up, remix culture. Where does it start? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? It is. Like, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the person most attributed to it, or I should say the group most attributed to it, probably the ECC, the Evolutionary Control Committee, started in 1986, I believe. Uh, they put out a mix in 93 called uh, Rebel Without a Pause. It was a mix of, uh, was it, what was it, a, a mix of uh, Herp Alpert, I think, in Public Enemy. Very good song, by the way. Very, very good. So you said it was uh, uh, it Rebel Without a Cause. That's what it's called, right? Uh, Rebel Without a Pause. Oh, so I think it, was... it might have been Public Enemy's song, Rebel Without a Cause. Maybe? Okay, so it was, it was a play on. Some, something along that, yeah. It's a play on words, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a really good song. It mashes up two songs. It's it's not like a what a lot of mashup cultures say, where it's you know numerous songs that are mashed up together. It was just two songs. Uh, it's very basic, you know, even uh, on some kind of tracks or some kind of analog track system, you know, where it's they it plays two different songs and records them. Yeah, um, it's it's very primitive obviously but it's 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 a very very good song it, it is a very good song you played it for me earlier uh i i honestly going into it i'm not a huge fan of your music choices i'm gonna be honest <laughs> um you do have songs that i like so i was i was hesitant going into and, and listening to the song but i i did really enjoy it um it was shorter than i expected it to be yeah it's only like uh like two minutes i think it's it's really short but and it the beat goes along with it super well. Like it, it matches up really well. As as mashups go, it's it's pretty spot on with what you would want in a good mashup that that goes along and melds well together. I I completely agree with that. I like <laughs> that the uh, the trumpets. Right, it was trumpets. Yep. Yep. The beat. Yeah. Well, that's that's Herb Albert. It's Herb Albert and the the brass band, something like that. I think that's what they're called. So, their full name. I need to listen what's to the, more of them. Is what I. What's need to what's do. the? Well, yeah. Tijuana or yeah, Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass is their full name. Tijuana Brass. Uh, yeah, they put out an album called uh, Oh gosh, Whipped Cream, I believe. Is what it's called. That's an interesting uh, name for an album. It's it's a great. I mean, you would recognize a lot of the songs on there. Uh, any any people listening to this, uh, you know, go listen to Spanish Flea is probably one of the most well-known songs off there. I've never heard of uh, it. You have definitely have heard the song before, though. Like, if I played it for you right now, you would definitely know the song. Interesting. Um, it's it's very, very popular. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can hum it. Oh, yeah. We got to we gotta avoid. That's 
the one right we gotta avoid the copyright the uh the bad thing is that we gotta avoid copyright strikes and uh well just copyrights in general infringements so we can't play any of this music for you guys at least from the research that we've done we're not allowed to um we're probably going to try and at least give you some kind of uh links down in the description for it uh but the song goes it sounds familiar but i you you are probably not the best to recreate it um definitely not so best i can do best you can do well i mean it's it's the best we can do without infringing on exactly on copyrights which is uh funny funnily enough is our uh, is it, yeah, that's a, that's a, a lot of what we're gonna be talking about today yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good segue so, right there yeah so <laughs> the mashup culture that started there then i would say more recently within the last 10 years 15 years whatever it is uh, you have uh, people like Greg Gillis, uh, Girl Talk, that became wildly popular uh, in 2005, I want to say, 2006, uh, with his Night River album, which was actually a, a huge album that came out. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was huge in pop music, but it definitely was pretty big in the music scene. Uh, he had a lot of you know articles written about him. Uh, there's a lot of big things that happened around that uh i think he was even uh he had somebody in congress i want to say quote or maybe not quote him but definitely spoke about one of the remixes that he did or one of the mashups he, he did i should say um where he mixed together um what was it uh, uh biggie smalls yeah and big, biggie Doll? smalls and I own John, Tiny Dancer. Yep. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a great little ditty there. You know, not not very long. It's probably like thirty seconds or so. Uh, but it's 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 very much an interesting uh, look into what a mashup can be. Like you you look at, you know, mash mashup as as an artist form, is is something interesting. Uh, you have. Uh, you have mashup as just like a two song kind of melding of music, right? So like what we were talking about with uh, ECC and what they did. Mm -hmm. But you look at somebody like uh, Girl Talk and you see the whole entire premise of the albums that he makes is not just on two songs or even three songs. It's, it's just a hundred percent sampled music. There's, you know, I think he puts in some generic beats into it, but it's, the use of the music itself, which leads credence to him being able to create a sound or create music in general. And uh, that was, you know, obviously that, that album was really big and became huge. And in fact, there was uh, two different uh, documentaries that were put out about basically about him and copyright music in general uh, one of those is uh, good copy bad copy which uh, i watched with you yeah earlier you saw that pretty good um and then the other one was rip remix uh manifesto i believe it's that's the full name of it did we get to watch that one uh no we watched uh 
it's it's called rip remix manifesto um and it's it's the part that i showed you or sorry a remix from manifesto rip a remix from manifesto uh we watched just the disney uh part of that which is another thing that I, you know i kind of wanted to uh hit on in this is that uh we're talking about you know copyright music in, in general and you know copyright laws were very much formed by disney um we talked about that earlier with uh the fact that you know not too long ago the public domain stuff would enter after, after like 14 15? years yeah yeah and then it moved to i want to say it moved to like 50 years and now it's 95 years for corporations it's uh moved from 50 to, to... yeah and it moved from 50 to 70 years after uh, the creator dies so you know and then again we talked about earlier that mickey mouse will be entering the public domain in 2023 which is actually kind of crazy to think about and that's you know something that we should talk or you know touch on is that a big huge name like that mickey mouse is going to be public domain fairly soon here now do you think it will actually be public domain or do you think disney will pull some well so the argument or not the argument but you know basically what's been talked about when it comes to copyrights and big names like this is it really hasn't been tested too much when it comes to you know like a mega character like uh, you know like mickey mouse because it hasn't been long enough yeah it hasn't there hasn't been a mega character like that or a mega you know what, what would you call it a mega like institution i guess you could say like that it hasn't really been put forth into you know legislation yeah. whether that should be a protected thing or not because it's an ongoing company so like i understand that but at some point you know public domain is a very very important thing as you know like disney in general grew off of public domain that's that's where you know almost all of their um, source material came from so for them to to decide to you know cut out everyone else from the public domain is kind of insane when you actually think about it and that's you know rip remix and all those things that we were those uh, videos we're talking about there that's kind of what they touch on is that being or becoming big off of a public domain idea and then turning around and trying to change that copyright law that made you famous in the beginning is kind of insane when you really think about it and that but, was, i mean hey that's what they fight for you know that's what they fight for that was in uh the the rip documentary that we watched right rip remix yeah so yeah, they, that's they touched on that a lot in that yeah yeah and that's the one where they showed they actually showed the images from which you know disney drew all their original well original in, yeah. in quotes right uh it's you know pictures from like the 1800s or whatever your drawings wanna, well uh, yeah, yeah some, more, some yeah. of them like uh uh, Alice in Wonderland was from like 1890 something. I want to say Snow White, I believe. Yeah, Snow White. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, oh gosh, there was another one that was uh, actually way back to uh, 1681 or something like that. One of the, I think it was one of the grim fairy tales that they mm. they ripped off. I want to say, or sorry, brought, borrowed from. Sorry, Disney borrowed from. <laughs> um, but I mean, that just goes to show that. Like you said, it was once public domain, and they turned around, they put a copyright on it, they've extended those copyrights numerous times. Yes, 
so they they put this is the weird thing so they put copyrights on it right but their copyrights isn't actually on the story it's it's on the characters that they made so when steamboat willie uh, which will be coming into the uh, public domain in like i said 2023 mm-hmm. um it's actually just the iteration of mickey mouse in that cartoon that will become uh, part of the public domain which is where it gets kind of sticky when it comes to uh, copyright you know uh, copyright infringements because it's the drawing of it. Remember when we were watching a uh, Rip Remix, uh, the guy that drew Mickey Mouse, he's talking about the different iterations of it. He talked about the the CIA Mickey and the, the original Mickey and all that stuff. And when he's talking about that, it's the different iterations of how he is drawn. So that's where the, uh, that's where like the confusion is probably going to be coming up uh, when it comes to copyright on, on Mickey is whether the actual drawing of what Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse looked like, like that that image of him should be moving into public the public domain. domain. But the problem is when it comes to trademarks and other things, so his his trademark characteristics, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, that's where like legal battles could actually come into play with this kind of stuff. And again, it's super confusing, and we really don't know exactly how that's going to play out until it actually plays out in court. It's 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 going to be really interesting, especially with how much stuff is uh, going to be moving into the public domain here. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like I said back in was it ninety two or ninety six or whatever when uh, Disney changed or sorry Disney petitioned to change copyright laws, and they did change. Uh, there was before that before 92 or 96 whenever it was uh every year at new year's there would be kind of like a list not i don't think it was actually like published or you know whatever but people would talk about the different items that would go into public domain at that time and around that time when the the timeline shifted and changed it uh it stopped that completely so the very first time that we actually had new items move into the public domain was actually the last year in uh, 2019. That was the first time in, what was it, 22 years or something like that, 20 some odd years, that something moved into the public domain. And that was, uh, oh gosh, I think I, I don't have the article pulled up anymore, but there was uh, a few items that are, have moved into that, but Ernest Hemingway, some of, some of his stuff is going to be moving into uh, the public domain. I think it was this next year it's going to be, or maybe it was this year it moved into public domain, which is really interesting to me. You know, there's, like I said, 20 some odd years where there was nothing that moved into the public domain is it's kind of a big deal when you actually think about it. That's no new, like, like basically the time that you've been alive you don't even understand what public domain even is because nothing's moved into it like that's how significant it is when you actually think about it i mean yeah i am i'm turning 22 so it's that's insane i mean there's nothing that i would ever i've never like, have you ever heard it. of yeah have you ever do you even know what public domain is let's start off with that like do you know what public domain is oh like the exact definition probably not um but it it deals with fair use right 
Well, it's not even fair use. So public domain is basically, there's a certain amount of time that passes by where there's no monetary value to the original owners of a piece of work. I mean, I'm being very basic here. So that it moves into what's called the public domain. So it's basically people can use this in a certain way to create new things. So whether that's they want to publish the book or they want like, like, let's say that you know, uh, we'll, we'll take an example, like Edgar Allan Poe, right? Let's say he's in the public domain. I, I believe all of his works are. Um, somebody wants to publish a book, right? So they take all of his works, they put it into like a whole volume called Edgar Allan Poe's best, you know, best poems. And then they publish it and they sell it for money. It, they can actually do that because Edgar Allan Poe has been dead very long time so he no longer is gaining any monetary value out of his own works so it moves into the public domain the reason the public domain is very important is because of things like remix culture you know mashup culture all of these other different things uh, the reason disney's around right now is because of the public domain the public domain so, you know, a lot of their, you know, a lot of their stories, a lot of the things that uh, Disney published were on very old works, very old, like folk tales or, you know, um, storytelling, you know, you know, fairy tales or whatever it is that they wrote all of these stories on. And they're basic stories, you know, like you can get into basic stories about, you know, prince and princess you know blah 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 all that stuff and you can get into all that but uh, those are all really old stories and they move they were written originally a long long time ago and passed on passed on passed on somebody put them down in paper at some point uh, i don't know if there were copyright laws involved at that time you know depending on the year in which they were published but when those move into public domain they're then able to make movies about them use those stories in some way without licensing them and so that's basically what disney built their empire on you know like snow white wasn't written and was it 1923 or whenever it was put out 1932 I, I can't remember exactly but it wasn't written then it was written a long time ago yeah that story was then adapted to animation and released by disney and that's how they started Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Uh, I mean, we, it's, it's, we can talk about copyright and music now. Well, I, it's, it's good that I learned that. Cause I, you know, I like part of me knew some of that. Right. But I didn't, I don't know, think about it like that, I guess. Like I would never have, it's, it's not something I use in my day-to-day -day life. So it's not something that I usually yeah. like need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, there's a lot of people fighting against, you could say, the, uh, the the copyright monster. And you have people like, obviously, Girl Talk, who puts out a whole entire album that's consistent, consistently only sampled music. Uh, but then you have somebody like Danger Mouse. So Danger Mouse kind of uh, falls under the whole uh, ECC thing, where it's like just two different forms of something and mashed together. But the interesting thing that, that he released 
2005, I believe it was called the gray album. So it was a mix of the Beatles white album and Jay-Z's black album. It's completely from start to finish has those two mediums in it. Just those two, mostly the, uh, musical backtracking of the Beatles mixed with the vocals of Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah. And uh, it's, it, it was wildly popular back in 2005. How, how were you in 2005, by the way? Uh, I was, was it seven? <laughs> I was seven years old. Uh, I was, I mean, that's, that's what, like fifth grade or whatever? 2005 i was like i don't know 16 17 something like that i don't know for, formative years for me it was a huge album that came out it so was wildly popular you were at the point in time where you were you know listening to music actively and it's it's something mm-hmm. that like because I, I know when i was a teenager you know that age it was well, i guess it was a streaming service then um but it was mm-hmm. it was all music all the time you know i always have my earbuds in mm-hmm. uh but back then, for me, I was on the the CD and portable CD player. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was I was around that time too. I mean, well, no, you you probably into wasn't iPod out around that time? Two thousand five. Well, no, I'm I'm talking about when when you got into music. Oh, I mean, iPod. iPhones. I, iPhones, yeah. I got my iPod Touch in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have an iPod in like fifth grade, so maybe I did have an iPod. I don't know. Um, MP3 players were huge in mm-hmm. my fourth grade. I remember that's when they they started really taking off. Oh my gosh, Jesus, that makes me feel so old. MP3 players were big, like when I was, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, like right around there. Okay, so then it was I think, well. I... I want. I want to say that iPod. Oh man, when did when did the iPhone come out? What was that? 2000, iPhone. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand seven. So I was two thousand seven. I was what nineteen? I want to say yeah. I was nineteen. Okay. So like, if you if you trace it back, iPod was big. I want to say a couple years before that. That's when it was like really big. Like everybody had it. There was a YouTube commercial, all that stuff. So the iPod Mini, the original iPod Mini, which was the, at the time was not Mini at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if you, or I don't know if you remember the first iPod Mini. It was huge. Um, oh yeah, I mean I, I I remember all of them. Yeah. So that one came out in two thousand four, and it looks that like was the long stick one, right? Um, it's kind of a, almost it was flat and kind of stickish. Looking. So it it was, but I think that it was it wasn't like really flat until i think like 2006 or 7 yeah i remember i didn't get an ipod touch when they first came out i got the ipod mini um mm-hmm. did you get the little fatty one the one that was like shorter and like bigger kind of like a rectangle almost oh uh n- no that was the i i did end oh, up getting sorry. that one so i got so okay so i'm looking at the timeline here it looks like 2000 That's one of my favorites by the way was was the square slash rectangle one mm-hmm. it was, I, I call it fatty a lot of people call it the fatty mini so that was the ipod nano in 2007 uh, uh, it was a nano wasn't was it that's what it says ipod nano uh they it looks like they added on the ipod nano in 2008 is when they added the speaker to the actual ipod so you didn't have to have headphones anymore 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. The the nano. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, I did. I did have that that fat guy. Um, I had that one in the, the previous years before. I had the 2006 version as well. I okay. Yeah. Now now I remember the mini. Yeah, the mini was. So that that's the first one that you had was the mini. It wasn't I had. My sister had the mini, and we all used it because she was the only one old enough to get an iPod. I don't know what the the rules were from my parents, but that's. <laughs> that's who had the ipod that's we went to for music and you know funny enough she was the one who taught me kind of how to like use itunes um Mm -hmm. when when itunes was still a thing because it's not anymore yeah Um, but yeah i mean i bought all my my music from itunes when i when they started allowing you to do all that and yeah that was so my my first ipod was actually the sixth gen one so that was in, it was released september 5th 2007 well he it was introduced then um that that was my first ipod that i i had had other mp3 players before that though i had a zen uh creative zen um i had other crappy you know knockoff brands ones before that uh, but yeah, mostly what I grew up on was definitely Vern CDs, uh, you know, whether it was uh, MP3s or just straight over Vern CDs. That was that was a way that a lot of us uh, shared music. In fact, uh, my first girlfriend, a big musical influence on me, by the way, uh, she gave me a CD. It was a Burn CD that had a bunch of songs on it. Well, like 16 songs on it, whatever it was, 20 songs on it. Uh, it was just a burn CD that I got, I think, 17, 16, something like that. Wow. Great CD, by the way. I know. Super great. Um, and then after that, I, you know, I got my job when I was 16. Uh, and then I started, you know, buying up. Uh, I bought my iPod. I bought, you know, tons of CDs. Like, that's that's when I really started to, like, go off into basically my own my own when it came to to music so i had you know i had influences early on in music uh mostly i listened to uh funny enough listened to a lot of christian music oh did you up. listen to uh any switchfoot and reliant k and loved switchfoot reliant k oh. i was into pod i was into oh my gosh what else mxpx i was big into thousand foot crutch I could go on, on and on and on. Newsboys was another big uh, DC talk. All those things were were pretty big when I was growing up. And the funny thing is, a lot of those bands were kind of actually big in the pop culture scene. They were because like P, yeah, Pod was a, a big name in like pop music for a while. They were kind of the uh, light version of. Uh, Rage Against the Machines, you could say. They were the Rage Against the Machines light, is what I could call them back then. I mean, they basically were. It was, you know, fight the machine, but not too hard. Get home by eight. <laughs> Make sure you tell your mother where you're at. Yeah, exactly. But, I, you know, I listened to them way before they were popular, though. That was the thing. We, there was a, on the Christian networks that they had on TV, they had a, a show called I don't know if you ever watched it. It was called G Rock. Do you ever you ever remember that? Um, you know, it's it's not ringing a bell. G Rock, man, it was big when I was a kid. Well, I, I should say big in the Christian rock scene. 
it was it was g-rock was the christian version of mtv it had music videos on it and all that stuff it's pretty great but that's that was my first introduction for music what what was your first introduction for music my first and ah that's that's tough because i remember my sister used to make us uh like summer mix CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing that we had, right? So she she would take music that she had bought or you know taken off of CDs or friends CDs that she'd given, and um, mm-hmm. she would you know rip them and then give them to us on you know, a CD, and you know she'd write on the CDs because I remember that was like, oh yeah, how do you how do you keep track of whose CD is whose? And we had fun with yeah. color CDs, and it was all Christian bands for the most part. Um, I do I do remember. Like the the nastiest song, I don't know if nasty is the right word, but uh that I listened to as a kid was Papa Roach. Um I Old School. Scars Remind Me, is that what it's called? I don't remember what it's called. Are you, are you talking about Behind Blue Eyes? I that was like his Scars Remind Me. That's 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 like itching something in my brain. It's a scars. It's just called scars, apparently. Uh, scars by Papa Roach. Hmm. Um, scars remind scars. me that the past is real. Yeah, that's the. Two thousand four. Wow, how old were you, Jesus? Two thousand five. What six? Jeez. So you started super early with music then. In that, I mean, I I had okay. So if, if we're going that far back, so I I was talking more about when I first started discovering music. Like if you're going oh, okay, back, okay. if you're if you're going back to like your first musical influences, that's obviously my dad. So that would be things like, you know, it would go way back to uh, my dad had a record player, and I got super interested in how cool his record player was. And some of the records he had that he was really into were, you know, obviously Beatles records and things like that. And uh, funny story. Uh, my dad used to have a pretty extensive Beatles collection. Really? But I think that, uh, yeah, I think around the time he was maybe 18, 19, 20, something, somewhere around there, like, you know, in those formative years, um, he had lent his Beatles collection to a friend of his. And this friend of his, uh, his, his parents, this of uh, what would be considered uh, the gosh what's the best way to describe this the demon music kind of uh phase in america where uh record burning was a thing and uh i I don't know if you've ever heard about this it was you know talked about a lot whenever i was growing up but they used to have actual like burning parties for music because it it was deemed to be too risque or too you know whatever so it would be like you know you have elvis records being burned beatles But apparently this kid, his, his uh, Beatles collection too, took it and just burned it all. And it was just gone. <laughs> Jeez. He burned it all. Yeah. So he had, he, he had obviously, you know, bought more after that. Uh, and he had uh, Magical Mystery Tour was one of the albums that I used to listen to. I have, I don't know if I've ever... Of, I'm trying to think of the other albums that he had. I think he had Rubber Soul 
which is another really good one that I listen to a lot. But I used to, I mean, I was so entranced with Magical Mystery Tour. I took and I would listen to that album. I'd put on the headphones, sit there at the record player listening to it. And then uh, this was obviously way after vinyl was a thing, but I took, uh, we had a, a tape deck. I mean, we're, we were poor. So us having a tape deck shows, you know, the timeline here. Tape decks were at least accessible enough for me to have one and to be able to actually record the uh, Magical Mystery Tour album. And I put it, I actually transferred it onto a cassette because we had like a Walkman style thing. This is way after, you know, the original Walkman was uh, released, but we had one like that that I could listen to tapes on. And so I switched it over onto this tape and I would listen to it at night. And that was like a big thing for me. I, I used to love listening to the Beatles. It was like one of my favorites. So that was, I would say that was my introduction to music as you're talking about introduction to music. What's, what was your, your like, oh, I'm now into music and now I'm finding my own music. What, when, when did that happen? It would, like, pro- what it would probably be, you know, freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had bought CDs before, but I wasn't really into buying music. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a real good way of listening to music besides my iPod. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, didn't carry that around enough or didn't have, you know, I was in school all day, so I can't you know, listen to my iPod. So I think it was freshman year that I really started to get into music um, with streaming services. Okay. And that's kind of, I remember it was like a Christmas, uh, maybe it wasn't, maybe a sophomore year, I don't know. But it was it was around Christmas time one year, I got a uh, Spotify, like, free trial. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind that I could, like, pick any song that I wanted and it would just play it for me. I didn't have to buy it, and it was awesome. And so I stuck with the free version for two years, or whatever, until I could afford, because I was broke, so until I could afford my own Spotify Premium. Yeah. And that's, I, I heavily leaned toward pop music. I still do. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know that about me. I'm a, I'm a huge pop guy. Mm-hmm. I do like a little R&B every once in a while. Little soul music. That smooth, that smooth R&B. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it, it stems from just listening to the radio, because I listened to Christian radio like my entire life growing up. That's what my dad listened to in the car, so that's what I was you know, forced to listen to. Yeah. But uh, when my sister and I started driving to school, that's when we started listening to uh, like Z100. Uh, yeah, Z100. Yeah. Z100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I remember ninety five point five. Yeah, dude, uh, live ninety five five. Yeah. Oh man, back in the day, it was not called that. <laughs> it was completely different when I was listening to it. Uh, I think it was jam- I think it was called Jam in ninety five point five or something like that. <laughs> I I just remember like I used to have like a radio in my bed too, um, so I could mm-hmm. fall asleep. It was my dad's old Walkman. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I just kept it like in my bed so I could listen to Live 95.5. 5. 
and uh, just kind of fall asleep or wake up to uh, pop music because that w- was on those radio stations. Well, what year was that? Like uh, 2007 or something? I want to say I was in middle school. My brother had just graduated middle school. I think he graduated in 2008. 2008 2009 let's see when did i graduate i graduated in 2012 so yeah it must have been 2008 2009 somewhere around there oh that's crazy yeah i mean it's it, it, it's funny that you talk about like streaming music because you know i i don't know if you really were into piracy culture back in the day but i i was so a little tiny introduction to uh, my life as a pirate, you right. call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny enough, so I, you know, I, I I got into pirate culture. I, I grew up. Uh, my first computer was a, a two eighty six, and again, we we're poor, so two eighty sixes weren't like top of the line when you know I'm talking about this. It wasn't like it was the thing, but it was you know definitely what the norm was. And this yeah. is again, I was I was probably gosh 286 386s i was probably like 10 11 12 somewhere somewhere in that age you know group uh but we would go on and this is again super early childhood kind of stuff but we would i would go on and uh we would go on uh, what's called a bbs do you know what a bbs is i have to say i don't so a BBS is, uh, stands for a bulletin board system. I believe that's what it stands for. I don't know exactly, but uh, you would go on there. So you'd have a modem, be a 56K. I think I had a 28 baud you know, at the time. It was you know super, super shitty. But we would go on there, and we'd, you would enter in a phone number. If, well, first of all, the way that you would find a BBS, you'd have to know the number to dial in. And the way that you would do that is uh, we had a, a publication here, free publication called uh, Computer Bits is what it would be called. You pick up this publication, you take it home on the back or somewhere in there it'd have a list of these these phone numbers that you call into and you connect to BBSs. And they were basically, you would dial in this number and then it would be some text and you could press one, two, three, four, you know, one through zero, one through nine, whatever it is. And you could, you go through these menus to find out what you wanted. Uh, some of them, which uh, if you wanted to get into the piracy things, uh, you'd have to, you would get basically, it was a, like a a directory of other BBSs and you'd go into there and you'd go into that and you'd find like this BBS and you would get to like this, basically what it would be is a, a pirate bbs where you could go in and download games so the games you could download were you know at the time it was something like a you know like doom <laughs> like the original doom yeah this is how old this is and you'd go and you'd download it and then you could play the game and uh obviously bbs's were around way before this and they were you know it goes all the way back to uh like the atari 800 and like all these other things where you could well i don't don't know if they are atari 800 had a modem anyway it doesn't matter you you had different iterations of this before that with bbs's but 
I was at the very tail end of it, you know, right around when AOL was becoming big. Hmm. And uh, these BBSs, that's that's how I kind of got my start in the pirate world. Uh, and then from there, you know, it was Windows 95, Windows 98. You had, uh, you know, programs like uh, Kazaa, where you'd have Napster. I remember uh, my dad had started working at a company called uh, Fry's Electronics. And he came home one day and he had this program. It was Napster. It's called, I think it was like Napster 1.6 or something like that. I don't know exactly, but it was very early iteration of Napster. And he was like, you know, he was kind of an older dude. My dad had me when he was, uh, he'd been married for like seven years. So he's not really like an old dad, but older than most people at the times dads yeah when he came home he had had this program you know napster he got from somebody that he had worked with and it was called napster and he installed it and he was like you can put anything into here and you can get whatever you want any any song any whatever and at the time i think napster was only music this is before they they started doing actual file sharing like Beatles, police uh you know steely dan again probably a lot of these names you don't even know but just download everything and anything that you could and he was just super into it because he was a really big music fan my dad's been a bass player his whole his whole life basically he was uh in high school he was a trumpet player you know basically always been a, a a bass player so he was always super interested in music and it's it's been a big like influence in my life is his influence in music and and what he loves is you know kind of imprinted onto me but he he brought this home and we just flew off with it and it was you know we had a 56k modem at the time so you would download a song and it would take you basically all day you know two megs to download it it would take you all day to download it that's, and that was that was my introduction to piracy right there i think my introduction to piracy mm-hmm. was you know it's, it was either like youtube M, to youtube to mp3 or um mm-hmm. some some other website i don't remember but uh my brother used to you know torrent movies uh mm-hmm. and uh i think i i always i would grab some songs off youtube because again i was a kid right i didn't have any money what am mm-hmm. i supposed to do so i would youtube to mp3 them but i would never know that you had to like pick a version of a song that a sounded good and b wasn't the music video for it yeah right so as a kid i loved the music videos but they were so like it was half of it wasn't the song it was like dialogue or like weird ass background noise you'd you'd have those weird music videos where the beginning is like a a two-minute introduction where they're having some kind of conversation and then after that that's when the music would start (laughs) (laughs) exactly but i didn't know that you know you could grab a lyric video so I mm-hmm. always would grab the official music videos. Yeah. 
Uh, so my music library was, you know, cluttered with just with garbage of, of YouTube. And uh, well, I would say that I would say the uh, past version of that would would have been uh, misidentified songs. So again, it's something that you wouldn't understand, but my generation would understand is that a lot of the times when it came to file sharing, especially Napster and, and Kazaa and all that stuff, is you would have a song that like maybe sounded like a different band and it would be labeled as that band. Ooh. So you, you would, yeah, you would download a song, right? You'd, you'd be like, I'm trying to give a good example, but uh, I mean, a minor one where they got the artist right, but the song wrong, wrong would have been... Uh, um, I think it was Enter Sandman by uh, Metallica. So it was called, uh, I don't know, something dumb like Lay Your Head to Sleep or something like that. That's what they named the song. And it's like, no, it's called Enter Sandman. Like, that's the name of the song. But they would call it something like, basically it would be like the chorus's first like few words. That's what they would name basically every single song. And yeah. I don't know if it had to do with you know like pirates over like in you know russia or wherever these things were being ripped from but the way that they named them were not off of the cd it was just basically okay what's what's the first few like words of the chorus okay that's what we're gonna call it and that's that's kind of i, I would say the uh, past version of what you're talking about there where it's you know you you had the problem where it was you had dialogue in it we had the problem where everything was misnamed and sometimes it was mislabeled you know band wise it was mislabeled it was a total clusterfuck at the time i remember that it was just so bad like uh i think it was called flagpole sitta was the name of the song it's originally done by harvey danger i want to say i think that's what it's called flag let's see flag I have no idea, so you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, it's 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 uh yeah, it's flagpole set up by Harvey Danger. It was called something. Wasn't like the the artist wasn't Harvey Danger. It was somebody completely different. It was like Offspring or something, like way off. And flagpole said it was not that. I, I, let's see if I can hear. If I can get it. Oof, be careful, that audio's coming through, Colin. We don't want to get copyright strike. Hear it? Can you hear it right now? I, I can hear it? I can barely hear it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Anyways, they, they took basically like the first few lyrics of the, the chorus, and that's what they named it. But it was like, it, I think it was called The Offspring, and then, you know, whatever. And it was so hard to be able to find music at that time on Napster and this is again super early Napster we're talking about here you know it was just people not knowing what to name it because the way that they would rip music is you would rip it off of a CD right mm -hmm. and it wasn't like you would rip it and then all of it would be named correctly like you had to sit down turn over the CD after you ripped it write down the name of the songs per track and you know name it correctly and a lot of people just wouldn't do that they just wouldn't care they just back out whatever yeah and uh you know some people uh, a lot of those 
tracks were just file shared without file names in the beginning they'd be like hey can you give me that song you know it's like it goes da 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 whatever and then somebody would send it to them and then they would then in turn you know share it online you know through kazaa or napster or whatever and so they would just name it basically whatever they thought it was you know yeah it just was whoever it sounded like and so you have a lot of problems with uh, people like or not people like that but you know songs like that where if it sounded like a different band they would have just named it that other band even though it wasn't that band so just a lot lost in in translation when oh yeah definitely yeah. it was crazy around that time i mean again you had uh, you know this was the wild west of the internet at that time like you have no idea how crazy the internet was at that time. I mean, you could go on 4chan and it was just, it was insane. It would just be pictures of dead people, pictures of like, I mean, just the worst Jesus. things imaginable online because I mean, it was just, it was the wild west of the internet. It was, you know, a new thing. There was no moderation. There was, yeah. There was basically no moderation, you know, because I mean, even at the time, like, I don't even know if, the u.s congress even or you know the u.s government in general even had any real grasp on what was going on with the internet at the time like dude the first few years of the internet were wild like just wild and i mean piracy in general was pretty crazy uh, i don't know if what what do you know about uh, the early days of piracy like do you know about the whole metallica fiasco and what happened early piracy days with that i actually have no idea so metallica came out pretty early on with the napster days <clears throat> and they kind of just went at their fans you could say I mean, it, was, it wasn't really their fans. They didn't say it was their fans. But, you know, a lot of people who pirate music, and you probably know this, you're, you're a music fan. Yep. Like, the reason as a kid when you decided that you wanted to pirate music was not because you wanted to hurt people or hurt the artist. It was because you didn't have money. Oh, yeah, absolutely, you're... yeah. Like, if, if you could have afforded back then to buy you know, Drake's album or whatever it was, you know, that was famous at the time, you, you would have paid it, no problem, but, like, you just didn't have the money to do that. Yeah, it was but like you spread it among your friends, or right? whatever. Yeah, but, like, you, you spread it among your friends, right? I mean, it was like, everyone, like, for me, it was like, you know, Eminem, like, oh, man, did you hear that new Eminem album? Oh, my gosh, like, Marshall Mathers LP, holy cow. It was, uh, it was FOMO. FOMO? Do you know what FOMO is? No. Uh, fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was. I mean, it was peer pressure into, oh, I, I need to be popular, right? I mean, that's essentially what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I I had obviously the same kind of problems growing up. It was the same thing like, oh, you haven't heard the new this album or you haven't heard this or you haven't played the new it was. I mean, that's that's why like piracy was huge for me. And it wasn't because I didn't want to pay. It's just because I couldn't. And again, like we kind of talked about this before. If you look at piracy nowadays, it's like basically non-existent. I mean, you have a lot of really like frugal people that might not want to, you know, pay for it. But it's a mix of you know, 
DRM and other things that, you know, has squelched it. But the fact that you can go online and you can listen to the newest whatever album on Spotify free. As soon as it drops. Yeah. Yeah. You got to listen to a few ads. Like, I mean, that's what people are doing now. And, you know, that, that kind of goes into, uh, you know, the rise of streaming music in general has just been huge. Uh, you know, the, the Pirate Bay is something that probably should be brought up in this. They were a huge movement. And I think we uh, saw, uh, you know, when we watched Good Copy, Bad Copy, they kind of touched on it a little bit. But they were huge trolls. Like, they just did not give a fuck. And they definitely poked and prodded at the music industry in general and just basically told them that they're a bunch of idiots and a whole bunch of other things. But, you know, they did that with what they think was their... Basically, it was them being like, screw the system. We're going we're gonna to fight the system. And we're going to put out all of this pirated music, all this pirated stuff. I mean, obviously, uh, Pirate Bay is not the biggest when it comes to music. Uh, Oink would probably be the biggest when it came to music at the time. You know, you don't know about them, but they were a huge torrent tracker. You had to be interviewed to get into this private tracker. And it was literally had every single song or every single album that you'd ever want ever on there and you know torrents was a huge thing after the fall of napster you know napster died and torrents were still big and it was like the music industry killed napster they were you know they just ran it into the ground they did everything they could and then boom right and they fought hard like you you probably don't understand this because you know we have spotify now which is you know great you, you go on there you listen to whatever you want and everybody you know everybody's happy but we didn't have spotify at the time there was no streaming like that you know you had some you know youtube videos sometimes you know very early on in that but a lot of times those would be taken down too and you wouldn't have a complete album or you wouldn't have like you know, a complete collection or what, whatever it is that you wanted. Sometimes you wouldn't have that. You would have to go and buy the physical copy if you wanted all of the songs on the album. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you, you couldn't find everything. And with Spotify, obviously, you know, things like that, it's just game changer when it comes to listening to music. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me to look you know, forward now into what's going on in streaming music and look back and see how resistant music labels were. You know, because there was there was a death of of record labels. Like, you know, you don't know this, but you could go out and go to a store, say whether it was, you know, an, you know, an electronic store or whatever it was. You know, they used to have actual full stores that were just cds oh like i would go there i've been to stores would... in um uh downtown portland where it's just it's just uh, all records because uh, I, I do have a, a record player i don't know if you know that or not but i do collect um vinyl on 
for albums that I particularly enjoy and want to make sure that I'm, you know, buying that album. Yeah. Well, and that's that's made a big comeback too. You know, it used to not be that way for a while. That it was just CDs or it was just tapes. You know, whatever. And it's now vinyls become a big thing. And I, you know, I'm a I'm a big proponent of it. I've I've gone on and you know I've shown you some of my my vinyl collection and stuff like that. It's 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 a big part of you know what I love. It's 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 great. Like the sound is great and everything's you know you have a physical copy. It's big. It's not a tiny little CD. So it's vinyl. And there was a while where you would go around and there would just be actual, I mean, large stores. I'm not talking about like a, a niche store in Portland. I'm, you know, I'm talking about like a large, you know, tower records. You walked into that place. It was as big as, you know, a Walmart is sometimes you'd walk in there and it would be that big, just full of music. Like Powell's books, but just music basically yeah and those things are dead now and they died hard and fast and the thing is record companies obviously freaked out at this and there was a a large fight online about this i mean there was there's tons of stories about people who had downloaded one album or two albums or you know whatever it was whether it was their their you know, grandkids who did it or whatever. And there was actual record companies that came after these people and sued them for like billions of dollars sometimes. You know, most most time it was like, you know, million dollars, whatever it was, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But like that was that was a big thing that was going on around the time that I was, you know, pirating music was that these lawsuits were being brought. But, you know, as you know, as somebody who knows about ISPs and you know, all this other stuff. You can't really pinpoint somebody in their IP address. I mean, you can, but you can't. Like, it's it's kind of wishy-washy because you get an IP address, but it changes. Yeah. So you can't really pin it down. But they were using these IP addresses to actually sue people for a lot of money. And it was pretty regular and a lot of people freaked out about it. And it's it, it basically stopped pirating. You know, this is in the Napster days. Uh, when BitTorrenting came around, it, it kind of got a little bit better. But, you know, again, it, it went to crap again after that. But, you know, that was that was the death of record labels. It was right around that time when that was going on. And that's obviously when a lot of the streaming slash indie, you know, labels became big. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you remember, you know, when SoundCloud got big or Bandcamp. Do you remember kind of Pandora? Uh, that was that was big before Spotify. Oh yeah, I remember Pandora. Oh yeah, because uh, it was personalized radio. You didn't get to choose your music, but it was personalized mm-hmm. radio, and that is what made it like, you know, this huge special thing. And I don't know if Pandora's still a thing, or if they've changed their. But that, that I would say that they were kind of the first pioneers in yeah. actual true streaming music. Yeah, I I, I think, think I knew about Pandora way before I knew about Spotify. I don't know which came first. I've never, you know, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that Pandora came for first. Uh, I, I believe, if I'm not incorrect here, I believe that Pandora uh, is a British company, I want to say. No, it's American, I guess. Um, uh, so Pandora was in 2000. Yeah. Yeah, so it, was, it started with Sirius XM Radio. That's, mm. that's what it was. And uh, Spotify was 2006. Yeah. So Pandora did definitely pave the way when it comes to streaming music. Uh, but they, they, were, they were the, you know, because their services were a little bit different. So, you know, as, as we all know, Pandora was not like choose what album you want to listen to and you listen to all album it was just more like you just put on like a like a radio station basically uh, yeah so it was like... kind of like pseudo, it was like a pseudo like choose the music you want it was more of like you choose an album or an artist and they or a curate like station off that curated. yeah exactly but it definitely was a step in the right direction you know, the, the the rise of streaming music has been slow and painful. I mean, as you can tell, Pandora is probably one of the first, uh, and that was in 2000, and we're now in 2020, and it's just now in the last years it's become easy enough to stream your own music. And, and with that, I mean, Apple didn't start doing Apple Music till 2016, I think, four years ago. Like their yeah. streaming service, I think, uh, and the the big thing with that was that it was it was a copy of Spotify, right? Spotify yeah. had been around yeah. for ten years already at that point, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so Apple comes along, and they just kind of swoop in and jump on the bandwagon, and there goes away. I mean, Apple had iTunes, right? But now they have Apple Music, so purchasing music has kind of with that gone away yeah well and, and spotify how did they start off was it was it just straight up they did straight streaming because I, I feel like spotify started as kind of like a pseudo legal thing i'm from sweden so it's a swedish thing and you know how they are with the pirate bay and all that stuff i, I feel like they were that's kind of how they started off. Is is and more of now like moved a... into that. It was more of like a you you can go uh, you know like the the website you were showing me like you go there and you listen to it. It wasn't fully legal, but it was not illegal because of where they're located. Just like with the the pirate bay, how they're not technically illegal because they're in Sweden. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I feel like that's how it kind of started off. I mean, I, I remember in 2006, whenever it first came out, and people were like, oh, dude, you got to you know sign up with this. And I think I actually do have an account with them from 2006 when they first started. Uh, actually, I wonder if you could tell. If, I don't know. Anyways. So Spotify didn't I, officially launch until 2008. It was beta for two years. Yeah, I, I remember the beta, is what I'm saying. It looks a lot like iTunes, um, like a lot. 
like er- early days it does yeah like it it like uh you know like 2007 itunes where it had like the kind oh, of like yeah. three-dimensional oh, yeah. buttons and everything and it was like that gray mm-hmm. yeah it's that it's like that exact thing <laughs> Well, that's that's why I think that's what I'm saying. Where they were kind of pseudo legal is what I'm trying to say. That's that's why I think they were kind of pseudo legal at the time. Um, at the time Which of its it... launch, Spotify announces licensing deals with uh, UMG, Sony, BMG, EMI Music, and Warner Music Group. Merlin, the the was Orchard, that the launch in 2008? Then in 2008. Okay, yeah, that that that's what I'm saying. In 2006 is what I'm trying to say. I think so like their their beta of... years, it was like an iffy thing, and then you know this company, yeah, all the the music companies were like, oh, you know, this is kind of well because I mean you have to understand the like music climate at the time. You know, it was record labels are dying, like they were just dying, and nobody knew how to to monetize at the time, especially with you know what was going on with. You know, YouTube. Yeah, streaming, saying, YouTube started to really take off too, right? Right around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, I mean, they knew. I, they were. It was so hard for them to get into the fold. Like they should have, like, boom, immediately started to try and monetize online. But that's the thing; they just didn't. And I think that Spotify probably they probably had some great people trying to sell these uh record labels on being able to you know stream on their sites and again it's it's been hard time going i wouldn't say that spotify you know had it easy or anything i'm sure they've had just a hell of a time trying to get everybody on board and being able to get licensing from everybody i mean it's probably a huge headache i i know one story um i don't know if you know this or not but taylor swift for the longest time was not on spotify Mm-hmm. Um, refused to put her music on there, and her reasoning is that she wasn't getting paid enough. For, for at least from the article that I read, yeah, um, I remember this. Yeah, because she was like, "Oh, you know, music's art. We need to be paid. Uh, like each each song we make is a completely new thing of art. Mm-hmm. We need to be paid as such. And Spotify is not doing that. They're only giving you a percentage of the royalties because you know they have to maintain their services. They have to pay everyone yeah. else because right, it's not." you're buying that song you're buying a subscription service to everything so yeah music gets divvied up based on or money gets divvied up based on how many songs get played of your music right yeah yeah so for drake who i think is still at number one or in the top five at least he's raking it in taylor swift was not so she took her music off of spotify in like 2010 or something and then put it back on in 2018 2016 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, just there, that's. It, it has to do with their business model, right? So, there's that guy that, you know, in good copy to bad copy, you were watching where he said, you know, if, was it 300 million people paid $50 a year for music services, it would completely pay for the music industry's physical copy sales. And that's the thing. Like, you have to have something that will replace that for them to make it worth their while for them and again we can get into the whole like you know conversation about you know capitalism when it comes to music and all that stuff but when it comes to being able to completely upend a whole entire 
like ecosystem that's going on you have to be able to replace it with something or else a lot of people are going to lose their jobs you know my my dad was a record salesman for you know 20 some odd years whatever it was and you know his whole thing is when when all this started funny enough you know us being pirates at the time like he lost his job basically because of the pirate community you could say you could you could say you know it was more about obviously like record the online culture dying, and yeah. you know yeah record labels just dying in general just because like they just it, they weren't adding anything to it and you know i think my dad would even agree with that it was just it was more about just like record labels just not being able to adapt because a slight loss in revenue for a possibility of a bigger source of revenue in you know in the the future what a consistent source of revenue of that too yeah right? yeah well yeah exactly because like you know streaming services are obviously very consistent when it comes to music because it's a monthly or a yearly subscription that you sign up for and if you get enough people doing that you get your fair share at the end of the day yeah like you know we, we talk about sony music or you know umg whoever it is when when they are the biggest fish in the pond and they have the most amount of of uh you know uh, music sources to the platform they end up getting a bigger cut because they are the biggest source of what's going on in music yeah absolutely i mean you hold more percentage so yeah exactly so like if they would have jumped on this early on, like, let's say that they all, like, all of the different record labels decided, hey, let's go in on a streaming service for these people. It's like a centralized thing for music, and it's based off of plays for each of our artists, and we get a cut of it, and whatever. They actually probably would have been out ahead in the end like they would have made more money off of this you know with with everything that's going on they they would have you know if let's say that umg had the biggest names like the top five right if they enter into this they have the top five people on spotify or whoever it is they get the top five percent or however many percent it is they end up making more off of that because it's it they the 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 money is off of ad revenue at that point it's not off of actual like physical money being exchanged right yeah because that's how spotify makes a lot of their money is through like either their subscription or their ad revenue so whether it's either one of those they would have been out on top if they would have jumped on the train early now it's just like everybody's on spotify everybody's doing it you know whatever it is they could have negotiated early on to be like hey we want a bigger cut or we want this or, you know, our percentages need to be this much higher than everybody else. Yeah. And we'll give you all of our library and, you know, and they could have made a killing off of this. Well, what I think is enough is interesting is that at least to my knowledge, Spotify is like a, they pay the artists and the the label based off Mm -hmm. of like listens per month or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah per artist song album whatever it is a record sale or cd sale right buy it off itunes whatever you buy it once that's done 
It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many times that person listens to that CD or that same track over and over and over again. You're not getting any yeah, money off of it. Yeah. Whereas streaming, it's a, it's a consistent, I mean, it's, it's royalties for as long as people are streaming music. Exactly. It's, it's a steady income that it could have had yeah. from the beginning. And that's, again, a great point because it, it just, it continues on basically to infinity. It's just forever. And it's, it's so dumb that they didn't see that early on to where like, and again, maybe they didn't see like, you know, ad revenue being a big thing or, you know, whatever, but like subscription fees should have at least been something that they were conscious of at the time. Yeah. I just don't understand how they didn't see it. I don't know. I mean, maybe they knew something we didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe they just, well, it, they didn't it, know the other, You know, the other thing that came out of all this is the, uh, the whole pay what you want, uh, you know, band camp that came out of, of all this, uh, you know, again, you're probably too young to really remember. Oh, I've absolutely of... no idea. Like, <laughs> like, like so, very little, very little amounts of this. So, so there's that album that came out in, in rainbows, I believe it was, it was the first yeah, so this was 2007, and it was, to my understanding, this is one of the first, like, albums that was released for a pay-what-you-want uh, model. And it was it was a big thing, you know, at the time when, when In Rainbows by Radiohead was uh, released. It was, a, a lot of people were arguing about, you know, what was going on in music and, you know, how record labels should be paid and all this stuff, and things were coming out where, like, artists weren't being paid you know they're basically paying being paid like 10 cents per album sale you know things like that they're being paid peanuts and so the way they're making their money was through like live shows and that was the way a lot of people survived they would get their big paycheck when they first signed on and all that stuff that's you know all good and great whatever but there was a lot of people that started to see the record industry being very predatory and uh you know i think it's 21 savage who owns all of his uh master records so like he is he owns them so it's it's not like the record label is making a lot of money off of it like he can choose and pick and choose whatever he wants to do with you know his his master records i don't i don't know what they have monetarily uh agreement wise with his money but i do know that he at least owns them but there's a lot of times early uh, you know, artists, Beatles, uh, uh, Elton John, all these people, they don't, they don't own any of their music. Um, I'm trying to think of, there was, uh, I can't remember the artist, but they're basically, they had like a one hit wonder and they made no money off of it. They didn't travel along a lot, but they ended up becoming, or I mean, traveling along doing a, what's it called? They didn't travel along doing a, shows or any of that kind of stuff so they no just tours. didn't make that much money yeah no tours no nothing like that so they end up they're, they're just broke i mean there's a lot of stories about this the one hit wonders people you know that they just they put out a song the record labels just makes a ton of money and they make nothing and on, they're just basically bankrupt on that point this isn't music but it i think it can tie in uh, i read an article the other day that said that um sylvester stallone doesn't make any money off of the Rocky series. 
He owns yeah, none of no, it. He's he's like he thing, yeah. sold it all because he wanted to play the role of Rocky, and the people who wanted to produce the film said, "No, we're going to go with someone else." Like so, he's like, "Okay, I'll give you all the rights if you let me play Rocky." Mm-hmm. So that's what he did, and so he like makes zero money off the Rocky franchise. Yeah, on on the other side of that coin, uh, I believe it was, uh, uh, I think it was George Lucas who argued, or not argued, but uh, negotiated the fact that he would have 100% of the uh, revenue of, like, toys when it came to uh, Star the Wars. Star Wars franchise. I think, it, I think it was, I believe it was George Lucas who did that. But that's, like, a big reason why he's not destitute right now, you know? Yeah. Because he, he Cause got like, some you, sort I of... mean, you you look at the 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 prequels and they just didn't do very well and you know all that other stuff and but he held on to a lot of that money just through that and there's uh, a lot of other different actors who decided to go the you know the other way who said I'm not going to take the uh, I'm not going to take the profit margins but I'm going to take the gross I think it's the gross margins. Because uh, that was the, another thing, a lot of actors were tricked into taking the uh, profit margins, but with a lot of the film industry, what they do is they they write off a lot of stuff and say like, oh, we made this and it took us two hundred million, but they tag on a lot of extra stuff and they only make like you know hundred million or you know, so it's a loss. So like the actors basically make nothing, you know, whatever it is. You know, there's it, it's a big thing in entertainment that these things that we're talking about happen like that. It just happens a lot. Yeah. And it's record labels. It's, you know, production companies, all that stuff. It's 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 very common in the entertainment industry. That kind of stuff happens. I want to just correct myself. I, I Googled it real quickly. Uh, he says that he never saw a portion of licensing or merchandising revenue that the studio MGM yeah. had made off the franchise. Yeah, that and again, that's a big thing for a lot of um, you know movies and stuff like that. There's it's the merchandising side of it that makes a lot of money. Yeah, that's what continues to to bring in money or bring in a again, huge they, portion of it at the beginning. Yeah, they they can inflate the production cost of a, a movie like insanely, and so when you're taking a cut of that, it becomes so much smaller than if it was like merchandise or other things. So a lot of the smart people, you know, a lot of the the, the smart celebrities uh, ended up taking like, you know, cuts of the gross as opposed to the profit. Yeah. And it, it makes them a lot more money in the end. All right. Sorry. So there's a little tangent back to what we were talking about. Um, <laughs> the pay, pay what you want. And that's what we were on. Pay what you want. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, we were basically talking about how record labels were just utterly destroyed when it came to piracy. And they were destroyed, not I would say, not just because of piracy, but because of their willingness to change. Their, their unwillingness you know, to was, change? Oh, they just, they were not willing to change. They were not willing to, you know, pick up the 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 streaming torchlight and lead the way yeah they were they were stubborn they were stuck in their the ways of the past their own way oh, yeah yeah oh definitely yeah and uh you know it, it fragmented pop music in general 
like I, you know, I don't know if you know it around that time, but it was like, you know, lots of generic music was just being pumped out day after day after day. You know, you had, you have Blink-182 and Sum 41 and like all these bands, they basically sound a lot alike. And, you know, when you have a fragmentation or not a fragmentation, when it splits like that, and then they end up moving straight to generic kind of music that was going on at the time. A lot of people didn't really like, I, I feel like a lot of the music, like the music enthusiasts kind of broke off then. And it was just, it was a big fragmentation when it came to music in general. And that was, you know, big rise in indie labels became big, you know, for me at the time it was, you know, Death Cab Cutie was really big. Uh, you had uh, bands like, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. There are a lot of like indie bands that got really big around that time. And, you know, Kill Rock Stars is a, a, a big you know record label right now. That was, that's a local uh, record label, by the way, they were, they were pretty big. And, you know, when that all happened, when streaming started to become big, you know, I, I don't know if you, this is probably where you can, you know, jump in a little bit here, but like the unity in music started to become really big. And it, what I mean by unity is more about like what was popular started to really solidify at that time, you know, with SoundCloud rappers and all that stuff. And, you know, some of, some of the bigger names in rap right now, that's, that's basically like the platform for like pop music right now is, is SoundCloud rappers. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, a big part of that is because it's a free way to, at least to my knowledge, it's free, um, a free way to get your, uh, your music out there and your creativity without having to deal with, you know, trying to find someone to, you know, produce your music for you. You can, like a lot of, a lot of big people have started off on, on SoundCloud and have made it. And that's a lot of the, uh, the, the Lil rappers, you know, there's, oh yeah. God, I don't even know. For some reason I'm blanking on them right now. Lil Uzi Vert <laughs> or you know, Lil yeah, Bo, Lil, Lil Yachty. This is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if either of those started out on SoundCloud, but there's there's just yeah. little little rappers that I know. But you have like uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Juice World, right? Was a big one on there. Uh, XX Tentacion, XX. Yeah, I think he was one. Uh, was Twenty One Savage? Was he on SoundCloud? Or I'm I'm looking at SoundCloud rappers right now. How to be a SoundCloud rapper? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't have a, a future. Whoa! A little Uzi Vert was one. Look at that. I was right. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew Future was on there. Yeah, and then uh, uh, wasn't Post Malone? Didn't he start on there too? A uh, little pump. Yeah, a little pump. Um, Post Malone. I'm not sure. XXX Tentacion was one. Yep. Trippy Red, Juice World. You were correct. Hmm. Um, a lot of these guys, I just, I don't, I've never seen their names before. Like, Young Pitch, never oh, heard of them. John, you're supposed to be the young guy here. You're supposed to know all this stuff. Yeah, but I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge rap guy. And I'm like a 2010 yeah, yeah. pop guy is what I am. 
Yeah, okay, okay. The uh, in Maroon 5, that's where my heart will always be, is Maroon 5. Oh, gosh. Uh, everyone always says that, but, you know, I have I have stuck you, you by sound, Maroon 5. You sound like a boomer right now. You're listening to a lot of boomer music. I'm listening, to, I'm listening to some boomer music. I, I gotta get I we gotta get somebody else younger on here. What Migos? Migos run? No. That can't be right. Really? I have I have no idea. I don't know if any of these are true or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is some random internet forum that says this stuff. <laughs> it's like I can't believe it. Who are the top mumble rappers in twenty twenty? Okay, but that's not what I googled. <laughs> But yeah, SoundCloud, uh, huge, huge thing. Um, I know a lot of people that are just in you know, my circle. Well, I don't know them personally, which is probably a good thing. Uh, I tend, <laughs> I, I tend to uh, judge a lot of the time. Um, but I, I, I do know people that are, you know, my age in college, trying to be SoundCloud rappers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big thing, and I you know I see people release their their music on SoundCloud. I mean, even what we're doing, really, we're releasing a podcast, right? We don't have mm -hmm. to go and do this in some big production studio. We're doing it over, you know, Discord, and it's mm -hmm. it just shows the how anyone can contribute now. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are, where you are, as long as you have access to the internet and a piece mm -hmm. of recording software, you can well, contribute. That's, that's basically that's the current state of pop right like that's what it can boil down to is that it, it's not really can like you know you can go all the way back to you know elvis the beatles you know whoever it is when it came to pop music and again we've had that conversation when it comes to pop music what actually qualifies pop music but it, it's obviously music that's popular yeah and that has been taken away from record labels basically completely at this point where the, sure they can sit there and they can you know market the hell out of somebody but it doesn't make their music pop music for sure at least in now you know nowadays terms i don't know if you fully agree with that but that's that's the way that i look at it right now you know you look at somebody like you know uh, you know doja cat is i was pop music. i was gonna say the number one song right now is by doja cat never yeah. i don't think i've ever heard a song by doja cat uh, dude, say so is a bop. That it's is bop. that is number so, one on uh, Billboard's. Uh, oh man, have you heard the song? song? It's it's amazing. I why can I I can only see the top two songs, "Blinding Lights" and "Say So." Uh, on they're Billboard. both great songs, by the way. Probably my top two songs right now. Funny enough, really. Like, you think that we're different, but I love. I'm a big pop person. Like I, I this is the thing, I really appreciate pop music. It's not really my jam. It's not really something that I really love, but it's it's something that I can get into. Like it, it's it's just something that's interesting to me, and it has everything to do with uh, production style and production of music. Which I, you know, Max Martin, you know, that's another that's a whole another topic we can get into. We could do three hours on Max Martin. You know, basically the the person that made pop music for almost all of 2000 to 2010 was Max Martin. And he was just a producer. Like that's, it's, it's people like that, that I really love. Uh, 
what is his name? Doctor, is it Doctor Dog, Doctor something or other? Anyways, he's another one that was uh, very influential. You know, like uh, Kesha and um, Katy Perry and all these other people. Again, uh, he's had some problems. Apparently, he did some very bad things, but he was a very influential producer that made a lot of music, a lot of pop music. So when it comes to pop music, I'm very interested in it, and it's it's something that I love. And so listening to you know people like Doja Cat or uh, you know Blinding Lights by uh, who is that? That's uh, the Weekend. The Weekend. There you go. Like the music, the what I appreciate it most. Uh, what I appreciate most about it is its production value. It's it's just very interesting to me. Is you know production music is is always a big thing, and that's obviously goes hand in hand with pop music because that's basically what pop music is. It's you know very over productioned style of music. They they put a lot of thought into it. All of the different notes and and you know how you feel through different notes and different um, you know. Uh, chord progressions and all that kind of stuff it's that's that's what's interesting to me yeah i mean it's it will continue to change throughout the years but i think that it's always going to be something that you know strikes a chord with somebody or i guess it's... well and that's and that's where production comes into play i i would say at least that's why i think that Produce, overproduced music or quote-unquote unprodu- overproduced music is is going to always be in the forefront of pop music almost always i don't think at any point will you ever see like underproduced music become popular is what i'm trying to say at least nowadays so do you think that indie music qualifies as underproduced music yeah it does yeah. i i would say at least i would agree with that i I, I don't think that you're going to find like you you'll see a few music, yeah become popular but it's not going to be the mainstream is more of what I'm trying to say so you know like okay you, t- you take that song uh, uh, old town road you know mm-hmm. we were talking about that earlier yeah that's a very overproduced song yeah like the way that it's produced is it's it's very overproduced but it's really good like it, people love it. People, I mean, it was huge. Like we were talking about this earlier, it's huge. It's it a huge like seven song. weeks at the top or something like that. I mean, something insane like that. Um, and the the funny thing is though, like some albums seventeen weeks. Before, sorry. <laughs> yeah, some some albums before that were considered pop music actually weren't overproduced. I mean, at, for the time, they definitely were overproduced. You look at an album like, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, who uh, they were on, what was it, Top 100 for like, gosh, it was like a long, like they hold the record for being on the top 10 for like the longest time, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. For the time, it was probably an overproduced album, you could say. But, you know, nowadays, you would consider that basically to be like an indie, you know, an indie album yeah. for what today's standards would be. Yeah. At the time, it was, you know, revolutionary, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you look back 10 years, I just, I Googled this, and uh, so I just did 2010 pop songs, right? So, yeah, the top song, that first one pops up, is just... Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Stop. (laughs) 
uh, Google Assistant got a little carried away there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not say the keywords for that, but all right. Uh, so the, the first one is Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've heard, I guess the number one top song right now is Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. I don't know if you've heard that. I haven't. Um, go ahead and pull it up real quick. I just want you to listen to it, just a little snippet of it. I want to hear your oh, thoughts because Watermelon, watermelon Sugar, it is it is possibly one of the, just the, the weirdest the weirdest songs but it's number one. It's top of the line. Video is dedicating to touching. What? <laughs> don't have it too loud. I don't. I don't want us to get. Uh, make sure you got. You got to hear the chorus. Okay, I got. I got it up. Hold on. Okay. I'm gonna turn you down just a little bit. Yeah, so that song, I mean, you, you can see that that is, I can, I can hear, I want to see if I can hear it when it reaches, uh... oh yeah, so you're, you're there, so, <clears throat> so that is, it's huge right now, and you know the number mm-hmm. one reason why that's huge right now? Mm-hmm. Number one reason, what, what would be your guess to that? Well, I mean, it's Harry Styles, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's it's catchy. It's you know whatever. It's overproduced. It's it's everything that I would say is like a pop song, right? You it's know, repetitive, like, catchy, over. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. What app? That's that's my hint. What app do you think that would thrive on right now? Oh gosh, it would be TikTok. Then, it would right? it would be TikTok. Uh, there is a uh, yep. TikTok challenge going on with that right now. Um, okay, uh, so, so like that's it's, it's almost a way for them to like uh, sell their music now is through that. Huh? It absolutely like, is is through social media. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think about. But yeah, you're right. That's that's almost another you know kind of dimension to the way that pop music is becoming big right now. It's 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 weird, and it's it's something that. I'm gonna be honest. I hate TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, just Chinese overlords. I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't like it at all. Uh, I don't find any of it appealing. People do like it. Uh, it's pretty. It's 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 a it's a strange world we live in where that's that's a big a big thing right now, especially it, with uh, all the censorship. That uh, I'm gonna get political here, but the censorship. <laughs> happens with the chinese government uh it is a it is turning a big, the frogs gay <laughs> it's a pretty big app and i think it controls heavily what songs are are on the the pop charts right now i was playing a song the other day and um you know my girlfriend goes oh i heard that song that's a tiktok song <laughs> and i was like like no it's not it's it's done by a human being it's not done by tiktok <laughs> But that's I'm not trying to be rude here. Like, you know, I I do things that I mean, I spend hours on YouTube. Definitely should not be doing that, but I do. Um, TikTok has become a way for brands to make themselves a TikTok song, a TikTok song, Mm -hmm. right? You you make your song a challenge, and that's advertising now, right? It's influencers. It's it's no longer 
people sitting to enjoy music. I don't think it has been for years. Um, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. you know, as soon as music became more of a portable thing, it was less of a enjoyment factor and started to become more and more of a distraction from what was really happening in life. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Morning commutes, right? I would not be able to do my mm-hmm. morning commute without music. Just makes yeah. everything better. But I don't listen exactly. to the the notes. I don't listen deeply to the lyrics anymore. I just kind of mm-hmm. sing along and bop my head. Exactly. Which is fine in its own capacity, but it's it's not what it used to be. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I, I would say, at least, that that's what makes a, a pop song a pop song, right? Is the fact that you can just kind of turn off and just listen to it. And it's, it's your bop. You can sit there and, sh- you know, nod your head to it and that's that's your thing it's that catchy hook it's, on it's repeat catchy hook it's repetitive it's all those things it hits every single note the way that you want it to hit and that's that's what makes a pop song i would say yeah well all right i think that is a uh a pretty good place is to, that a rap i think that's a rap uh cut i think that's a rap <laughs> um that's a pretty good place to leave off uh we will we will continue next week hopefully with um you know along the same lines that we're living off today is is music theory what's what strikes a chord with humans when a chord i would love to to go into music theory i think that'd be really fun you know basically we're talking about that at the end here with uh with pop music and stuff like that ties in really really well with what we were just talking about uh, you know the ups and downs of music and how it makes you feel uh, what makes a, a good pop song you know just music theory in general I think is is a good starting off point for next time hopefully we can get at least some links in the description to some of the songs that we'll talk about I really wish that we could play music along with talking about it but again I don't think that's legal probably get in trouble for it we can, we can let's do emotional research we wanna we'll do more research there yeah we, we gotta try we gotta try mm-hmm. exactly all right if you stuck around to the end thank you thanks for listening uh, we hope you enjoyed it and subscribe and hit that like <laughs> <Jesus> button <Christ. laughs> smash that like button <laughs> uh and uh we'll see you next time see you later guys <laughs>